0: Like in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors, or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Kings of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly.
2: Now the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody
0: except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 363 of Low Limit Football on this 5th of August, 2022. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, the season gets set to start with matches in England, France, and Germany today. Ricky Pooch has become a... L.A. Galaxy player, as he's completed his move... From Barcelona to the west coast of the United States, Mark Cucarella is a man on an island. As one minute, he's a Chelsea player, and the next minute, he is not. Plenty of rumors floating around about him. And we'll continue our season previews today, looking at the Bundesliga with Manuel Veth from Transfer Market and the Serie A today with Matt Santangelo from the State of Play podcast who'll be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man?
1: I'm good, Joe. I'm good. Obviously, we're heading into the swing of things. At the time of recording, we're about a little less than 24 hours before two of the major top five leagues begins. Obviously, we have other leagues happening like Liga. Um, Obviously, Bundesliga and the Premier League. And then next week, we have La Liga and Serie A. So I'm I'm really excited. You know, we're going back to the swing of things like we said. Obviously, we still got a few transfers left to do until the end of the month, Uh, obviously with the window closing. But I'm excited, man. I hope that this will be a, a good, <laughs> I personally say, pre game to the World Cup this time. Because That's, it's not like, you know, happening where you look at the, the tournaments and all that happening right at the end of the World Cup. No, we're getting the leagues, the Champions League, all those competitions, and then the World Cup in the middle. So yeah, I'm excited, man.
0: We might have to do a re preview after the World Cup to see how these teams have survived the uh, the World Cup. We'll have to let's see how that goes. Um, what do you think of the Cucurella stuff, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's very weird. I mean, I think he's a talented left-back. I think, you
1: know, obviously Premier League teams have the money and they have every right to spend as much as they can, maybe more so than they should. But, yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, you see teams obviously wanting to defend their interest and in saying what's true and what's not. You know, in a, in a world of disinformation and fake news, it's, it's hard to believe what is true nowadays. You and I have fell victim to that many times, uh, Joe. But, uh, yeah, I guess, like I said we won't we won't find out until you know the end of the transfer window if he's going to be wearing the sky blue of Brighton the sky, the the regular dark blue of Chelsea, or maybe the blaugrana
0: of Barcelona. We have a couple of weeks, so we see say, what happens. I was gonna say the blaugrana. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Another hijack in the in process, I think, but we'll have to see. Like you said, so um, let's uh, let's get into it again because we have two previews coming up today. We're not going to have an opening thoughts segment today. That that's going to return next week with our preview of uh, La Liga. We will definitely return our opening thoughts to you. And um, and if you have any suggestions, you're listening to the podcast and you want to shoot us a message as to what you'd like us to chat about, you know, always feel free to send us a quick message. But, Mr. Rojas, you this week have the trivia question and uh, I will suffer for it. So go right ahead. <laughs> I don't think you'll
1: suffer for it. I think it's a pretty straightforward one, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So um, this one where you only need to give out a number. So. Obviously, with the Copa Libertadores, you know, a tournament that we like to talk about here on the show, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, they're currently in the quarterfinal stage. We already saw some of the games, some really good games, actually, in the last few days. But of the eight quarterfinals, and I'm going to give you the names so I can give you a hint on this one. Okay. Of the eight quarterfinalists, how many Copa Libertadores have they won together? So in combination of all these eight teams, and I'm going to give you the names, yeah. Atletico Barnaense, Estudiantes, Corinthians, Flamengo, Vélez Sarsfield. Talleres, Atlético Mineiro, and Palmeiras, how many Copa Libertadores do they all make up?
0: Um, give me the, uh, fl- let me see, Flamengo. I'm writing this down. Um, all right, I'll say it again fl- one more time. Flamengo, Palmeiras, sure. Mineiro. What are the other um, Brazilian sides?
1: Uh, Atlético Paranense, Paranense. yeah. Estudiantes of Argentina, Vélez Sarsfield of Argentina, and Talleres of Argentina. So five Brazilian teams and three Argentine
0: teams. Okay, okay. How many Copa Libs between all of them? I'm going to give you a number. I actually, just looking at the list quickly, um, I don't think it's in double digits, but I could be wrong. So, But again, we'll return it to you at the end of the show, that's for sure. So um, let's jump into it. And we were lucky to be joined, first off, by Manuel Veth. From transfer market, a good friend of the show, uh, who came in to help us break down the Bundesliga. Obviously, some big moves coming on that we started to talk about with Bayern Munich, um, with Matthias De Ligt going to Bayern Munich. Sadio Mane, the big rumor, the big move from Liverpool um, over to Bayern. Obviously, the Robert Lewandowski leaving Bayern Munich. Uh, we also had um, Erling Holland leave leave Dortmund to go to Manchester City. Uh, the Sebastian Halera situation with, with his di- a cancer diagnosis that we had broken to you last week. Uh, there is a lot of moving parts in the, um, in the Bundesliga this season. And it looks like, as, you see, as you'll listen to at the end of the interview, uh, not only do we have a big uh, opening to it, but also with the relegation discussion, some interesting thoughts. And I was mistaken. Um, I didn't realize Schalke made it back in. So, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you're going to see that as well. So without further ado, the Manuel Veth interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from Transfer Market, Mr. Manuel Veth. Manuel, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Uh, And thank you for coming on and breaking down Germany for the 2022 2023 season. I want to open with the defending champions in Bayern Munich. They have had quite the transfer window for a team that has repeatedly won the bundesliga their biggest moves obviously uh sadio Mane coming over from liverpool matthias delict in a in a very big spend coming over from juventus mm-hmm. this is the second highest amount of money they've spent on a transfer only behind lucas hernandez a couple years ago um but they did lose robert Lewandowski. uh they've they've sent off the american chris richards i know that american fans will be interested to hear that mm-hmm. uh, sending him to crystal palace what are your thoughts on Bayern Munich? Because, I mean, for me, even though they've lost Lewandowski, I feel like this team really improved, and I feel like they might win by more than nine points this session. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I, I mean, it remains to be seen whether they improved or not, right? Um, I think that they addressed some of the shortcomings that they had last year, in particular in defense. Um, having said that, Matthias de is a one on one replacement for Niklas Süle, who they, they lost in a free transfer to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Sadi Mani comes in. Um, no new number nine um, signed um, or star number nine signed. Uh, they did bring in uh, Matisse Tell from uh, Stadraum. Uh, sorry, not Stadraum, um, uh, for for a significant amount of money. And um, he's supposed to be quite the talent, but whether he is going to develop into a number nine um, remains to be seen as well. Right. So I think that they, they addressed the needs, Um, whether they're going to be better. I, I think that, that is that is a big question mark still. Um, I, they have to put all these pieces together. Gravenberg is, of course, another signing, right, Who who's looking very good and looked very good in the offseason. Although he didn't manage to get a starting role, Sapica has come in and um, swooped in and taken that position next to Kimmich. So I think, um, I think we have to just kind of see how it's getting put together. And on balance, this team will always be measured on the Champions League success rather than the Bundesliga success.
1: Now, Manu, I mean, obviously looking into maybe the team that is definitely going to most challenge Bayern Munich this season is obviously Borussia Dortmund. I mean, they were able to make a lot of business, obviously, after selling Erling Haaland and getting the money that they get from spending from players from all across Europe. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the main, you know, replacement for Haaland and Sebastian Haaland won't be able to be on the team for the foreseeable future due to uh, Mm a testicular tumor. But just, you know, how do you view this team as a whole and really, the work that you know Eden Terstich has to go through this season.
2: Yeah, I'm actually not 100% convinced they are the number one challenger. To be honest with you, there's a few clubs in in the Bundesliga that that have look look very good and maybe have um, the squad better together already uh, at this stage of the season. Um, RB Leipzig comes to mind, right? Would despite um, losing the Super Cup final really went toe-to-toe with Bayern Munich in, in the second half of that game and really haven't lost any important players as well. Uh, in fact, um, I tweeted this earlier today, they they managed to get 83 million euros for essentially deadwood, guys that they didn't need, right? And um, are still out there looking to, to, to strengthen the squad further and have have in Christopher and Kunko been able to keep um the, probably maybe the best forward now in the Bundesliga. So they, they are looking really good. And Bayer Leverkusen very much as well, right? They haven't done much. Only Adam Klosex come in, but they haven't lost anyone. Musa Diaby stayed, Patrick Schick stayed. Um, so this is a squad that's um, also looking very, very good as well without having had to do very many changes. So I'm not actually convinced that Borussia Dortmund, with all the changes that have been happening there, and, and this Bastian Haller um story um how heavily that will weigh on the shoulders of the entire squad remains to be seen as well right that can have a deep impact on on the dressing room so I'm not actually convinced that um Dortmund is the number one challenger
0: um I, I wanted to jump just in real quick uh Manuel because I wanted to ask you about uh Dortmund I'm sorry not not Dortmund by uh, Leipzig quickly uh you said that they did sell quite a bit of pieces obviously the biggest one that American fans will will be looking at is Tyler Adams have they done right. enough to strengthen the side uh, to, to maybe move into that number two spot?
2: Yeah, I don't think they had to do much to do strength this side. Um, I think they're not quite done, to be honest with you, but uh, David Raum comes in, and, and um, Heidi sort of the left back. Both Dortmund and Bayern Munich wanted him, and uh, at the end of the day, it was Leipzig that managed to get him uh, for a significant fee, 30 million euros, right? And... Um, also, sometimes it's about the players that they did manage to keep. Konrad Leimer now um, not leaving the team. Uh, very much looks like that he's going to stay with them for the season is, for two reasons. A, um, Leipzig didn't want to sell him. Um, and B, Marcel Sabitzer has very much impressed by him. Munich during the offseason, making this transfer unnecessary for them. And um, so that's 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 key, right? Um and then in Sarve Schlager, someone else, another central midfielder comes in that has also, is going to also strengthen the side. So um, you have to remember all the guys that they sold and weren't players that featured much last year. Um, and that includes Tyler Adams, who, who actually highly, highly rate, but I don't think he's had much of um, a role in the squad anymore. So they managed to make a lot of money with players that they essentially didn't need.
1: Now, Manu, I wanted to ask more of a, I guess more of a personal question on this one in the Bundesliga, because obviously this Bundesliga season will be different like all the other leagues happening across the world, where there will be a break obviously between November and mm-hmm. December for the World Cup. But because it is the Bundesliga and because they also have their extended break as well, their league won't resume until January 20th. So that's literally um, over two months of break for all these Bundesliga teams. I just wanted to ask you, you know, how you feel about that and where you view these teams. Um, And, you know, if anything can indeed change in terms of how the table might stand, how teams might prepare, and and of course, you know, how they might even be more fit and more in good form heading into the European competitions, depending on how many German teams are there.
2: Yeah, I mean, the X factor is Qatar, right? Um, I think Qatar is giving a lot of people headaches, including us journalists. Um, Everyone working in the sport, I think, has... uh, a slight head shake whenever I think about this tournament and the, the timing of it and the location of it and I think that a lot of Bundesliga clubs are looking at this and saying well this is this is a wrinkle that we didn't need um you know I think in the end of the day you're cutting out two months of the the Bundesliga season that are not really great weather-wise in Germany anyways um it's not the best time of the year. Germany isn't like England, you know, where you have very temperate winters. It's it's cold there, so you know we are actually kind of losing out on on the worst time to play football. And on top of that, you know, it actually might be kind of convenient as well for um, politicians in Germany who, in the last two years, um, have been fighting COVID and uh, have been restricting attendance numbers um, here and there in different stadiums and um, we, we all know now that COVID is worse in the winter, right? In terms of how many people in effect. So this might actually be kind of convenient that this year we won't see that because the two months where that COVID is usually the worst is also when we are not going to have games um, which the timing kind of great for this. But I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how clubs are going to handle this and I think there's going to be certain clubs that are going to benefit. I mean, one of the things that we've always pointed out on the Gegenpressing podcast uh, or Bundesliga podcast that we do um, three times a week now, right, is that uh, a team like Wolfsburg who are not in international competitions this year will have a very good squad, will have signed a really good coach and Niko Kovac. They might look at this and say, well, this break is great. We're not going to have many guys at the World Cup. We're not going to have international competitions. We can really challenge the teams that have a lot of players busy this year and maybe go and break into the top four.
0: You know, uh, I, I do want to jump in here uh, real quick, uh, Manu, because I do have a quick mm-hmm. question. About uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Dortmund um, They've actually lost Three goalkeepers in this particular window I know nobody really likes to talk about goalkeepers much But this is an interesting <laughs> one to me Losing three goalkeepers in Berkey, Hintz And, and Derlaka to separate teams They have brought in two different goalkeepers In Alexander Meyer from uh, Regensburg And they've also brought in Marcel Lotka From Hertha Berlin um, mm. Is this going to be a, a, a Position of concern for Brucey Dortmund going into the season?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to really keep it short here. No. Okay. no. Why would it be? I mean, the goalkeepers at De Sob were in starters, and um, Koble isn't Koble is the number one and very much a cemented position. And Lotka comes in from Hertha, and he was... He was a very good keeper there when he played, and so no, I don't see any concerns there.
0: Okay, um, and then I want to move over really quick to Eintracht Frankfurt uh, because mm-hmm. this is another intriguing club to me. I believe finished eleventh last season, but they have done quite a bit in the transfer window. They've brought in jans Peter Haga from Milan. They've brought in Lucas Alario, um, who's Haga
2: was on loan previously.
0: Yep, um, but they've also brought in Alario, who was uh, an experienced uh, forward mm-hmm. coming in from Leverkusen. Uh, and talk about experience. They also bring in Mario Goza, uh, do you see them improving right now off of that 11th place finish, especially with the rumors that uh, Philip Kostic might be going to Juventus?
2: It has to leave first, right? Um, we have had a lot of rumors about Philip Kostic in the last last few weeks and played really well in the, the first round of the German Cup on uh, Monday, mm-hmm. as did Mario Götze, by the way, um, who looked very lively and um, almost looked like he back-aged the, the last two years. Yeah. Uh, have been very good for him in the Eredivisie. Um yeah, Frankfurt is always a funny one to predict. I think that they have a very good team. I think they they cohesively they're very well put together. Then but you have the question marks of who's gonna stay and who's gonna leave. Philip Kostic stays, they they I think they look quite good. Mm. Um but you know, it's almost like they have two different Eintracht Frankfurts. So you have the ones that play in cup competition and you have the side that plays and cup competitions, they're always strong, whether it's the Europa League, whether it's the uh, the German Cup. They, they love knockout stage competition. For some odd reason, they're very well constructed for that sort of sort of um, pressure that you get in those games. Mm-hmm. While the day-to-day business for them seems to be almost boring, and so they don't thrive in that. And I, I, I'm really curious uh, how, how they're going to approach this year with the Champions League, right? This is their first Champions League campaign. And uh, I would say, speaking, when you look at the, what they have done in the Europa League, and this this wasn't a fluke, right? This wasn't a one run. I mean, two years prior, they they reached um, the semi final of the Europa League, where they narrowly got uh, got defeated by Chelsea in the penalty shootout. Um, and then the year after that, they also went quite deep. I mean, this is a team that does quite well in in those competitions. So it's really going to be really interesting to see how they're going to transition that mentality to the Champions League and how much they can do there.
0: Yeah, that that was kind of my point too. Is that you know that they've they've got a great opportunity here, and and it looks like they've they've done things to improve themselves. So I, it, they're going to be the ones for mm-hmm. me to watch overall. So. Leading into that, let's talk about the uh, the order of finish. You know, we we talk about uh, selecting or picking our top four for the the league, and also the yeah. teams that we feel will be eliminated. Um, so for me personally, I, th- I think Bayern Munich is is going to be the winners. Um, I actually think it will be more than nine points this year. I think that overall we will see a big improvement on this side. I don't
2: think it's going to be nine points.
0: No. Okay. I well, then we're <laughs> going to agree to disagree. We'll have to have you back in uh, in May. Or sometime... I think they're gonna win. <laughs> oh yeah, I
2: think that's an easy get, estimate, but it's not gonna be nine points.
0: I do think Dortmund is going to finish second. Um, I think losing. I,
2: I don't think Dortmund will finish second either. <laughs> uh,
0: so I'm I'm gonna go Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, third, and Eintracht Frankfurt fourth. Who um who? Yeah. What's your top four then?
2: Uh, my top four is Bayern, Leverkusen, uh, Leipzig, and then Dortmund.
0: Okay, Roberto, how about you?
2: I'm gonna say, oh, man, everyone's being
1: differentiating on this one, which is good because <laughs> the Bundesliga, I think, it needs that kind of parity. I, I think Bayern win it, obviously. I think we're all in agreement yeah. there. I'll say Leipzig second, Dortmund third, Leverkusen fourth.
0: Okay, and now let's look at the let's, let's look at the relegation sides quickly because we've had um you know we've had Verte Bremen and uh, Bochum come into the league this year. Uh, there was a little no, bit. No Schalke. Of...
2: Schalke. Oh, Schalke. Not Schalke. Schalke. Yep
0: oh i'm sorry all right so i made a mistake It, uh i thought according to my it's information, almost
2: the same club it happens.
0: <laughs> so, um yeah you know and i and i didn't see I, I, all my research that i was doing earlier i had it uh as Bochum, but uh all right so we'll go with uh schalke um yeah, but you're right i, I think we're going to just substitute the same names um so for me going down i do think that uh that uh I don't know that Schalke have done enough. Um, I'll have to do a little more research on them. But I'm going to put them in for Bochum because, like you said, it's the same team. I had Bochum going back down. And I also have Stuttgart going down. And I think Werder Bremen is going to um, possibly maintain their uh, their position and and at least go into that playoff for me. What, uh, what are your thoughts, Mano?
2: I'm curious why you think
0: Stuttgart. I just haven't – you know, I've I looked at what they've done in the transfer window. They've really n- not touched the team, and it, it's a team that is – it kind of faltered at the end last season. They only finished up uh... – Did
2: they though? I mean, okay, so mm-hmm. th- I'm going to completely disagree with you here. Stuttgart okay. is a team that did very well in the second half of the season and only found themselves in the position of a relegation spot because they had three COVID outbreaks in the first half of the season ah, and that's right. very much looked like a team that was going to go down – um, I did forget Stuttgart about. Stuttgart the year before finished seventh, um, and looked very strong. I have Stuttgart nowhere near the relegation spots this year.
0: Okay, um, then who do you have?
2: Uh, I definitely think one of Schalke or Bochum, uh, Bochum. Yeah, Bochum okay. will go down. I actually have them as one go down, but I also have Schalke or Werder Bremen to go possibly down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I put Werder in the relegation playoff spots.
0: That's that's what um, I, I did have Verda in the in the relegation spot as well. Yeah,
2: it's it's very tricky. I mean, the the, the problem is Schalke and Werder Bremen, two very big clubs, uh, very big clubs, and by membership, Schalke is one of the biggest teams in Germany. Um, you know, depending on who you asked, they're bigger than Dortmund in terms of membership, and that number is disputed by both sides. Um, but the problem with them is, and this Werder Bremen very much has the same problem. In the past when a big club went down to the second division, the they would just lose a couple of key guys but would be able to keep the core of the team together and then go straight back up to the Bundesliga and then usually quickly reestablish themselves there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those two teams had the the timing was terrible because it happened during COVID. So they were already in financial troubles. In, in the seasons that they were relegated and already had to play with bare-bones squads. And so when they were relegated, there wasn't really much there to actually get rid of. So they had to strip it down to the absolute minimum and they had to rebuild teams so that these teams that go up, even though they're giants by name, they're really just normal second division teams, right? right. There's almost no difference between them or a Heidenheim or a Fürth or a Darmstadt or one of these other smaller teams that have come up other than the name, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for them, it's going to be very painful um, this year and next. And they're the first to admit this, too, when you talk to them directly. They're the first to say, like, yeah, we know this is going to be very, very hard. You know, we're nowhere near going to be playing for European sports or mid-table sports. This is going to be pure survival. And um, the way the Bundesliga is, too, the problem is that it's a smaller league than the other big leagues, right? There's only 18 teams. So to get a spot in the Bundesliga is much harder than it is in England or in Spain or in Italy or France, where there's a lot of teams in there where the quality drops off significantly when you go below 10th place. In Germany, there's almost no drop off at all, which makes it so much more difficult. If you're not Bayern Munich, the league is extremely difficult because of that. And so you often see one of the big names go down. And, um, yeah, I have I have one of them do the drop. I have Bochum do the drop, and I have Augsburg do the drop.
0: Augsburg as well. Wow. That's an interesting one, too. Uh, Roberto, who do you have on that one?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, Amano, you said about Augsburg, because you were always talking about how this was a team that you thought, like, you know, had enough for them to to get relegated. And, and you know, they always seem to fight above them and, yeah. and to not get relegated. But I, th- I think they might flirt with it. I don't see them going down. I, I think, yeah, I think I agree with a lot of you guys, what you said. I think Bochum go down. I think Bremen as well, and I think Schalke, depending on who they get in that relegation playoff,
0: might be the one fighting for it
2: as well. Okay. Mm.
0: So you've you've got Schalke in the relegation playoff, where Manu and I have uh, Bremen in the uh, in the playoff, correct?
2: But it could be either one, really. Yeah. yeah
0: okay.
1: I think it's gonna interchange so so much. It's it's kind of yeah. like the it's kind of like um. I mean, obviously we think that Bayern is gonna win it, but I think it's it's a similar case to like top four. You look at Dortmund, Leipzig, Leverkusen. It could go either way, but I think it's the same thing for the for the relegation race as well.
0: And I think it's interesting, too, that we have these big clubs that are in that particular window because, you know, last year we looked at, if I remember correctly, Ertha Berlin was the uh, the team that was playing for their for their lives in the Bundesliga, mm. correct? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it, I think it's it adds a nice, it adds an interesting twist to the Bundesliga season um, every year, year in and year out, that relegation playoff, especially now that we've seen a couple of big teams having to go and play in that match. I think it it's, it's certainly tastes...
2: It's great if you're not involved.
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> so,
2: it's, so. it's great when you're not involved. I had, <laughs> I had my team involved in the relegation playoffs. It, not good. No. You don't want to be anywhere near that. The, um, it's, it's, it ends in heartbreak. Um, and it's just the most nervy thing ever. You know, like when you watch a final, like an actual final where you can win something, you have disappointment that, you know, that you lost the final. We still at least finish second. Right. When you lose that, your entire season means that you have either missed out on promotion or, worse, you got relegated. Mm-hmm.
0: Your your world has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see it's that. It's brutal.
2: It's uh, it's so brutal. I mean, it really there is nothing worse than the promotion relegation playoffs, and that's often also why um, they it's just so more, much more dramatic. Yeah. Than than actual real finals, right? Mm
0: like you said you're in a real final you're playing for the top spot or the second spot you're not playing for your lives you know you're not playing for your yeah. your survival in a in a particular division you are you know it's it's very it's a very different feel to a final at that point so mm. um i i would agree with you yeah. manuel thank you for joining us on the show um and previewing the bundesliga with us it's going to be a very very interesting season for sure and all the best to you and we look forward to having you back at the end of the season to seeing if Stuttgart's there, or if it's Schalke or Bremen, I think I think we have to have a a discussion at the uh, at the end of the season for sure.
2: I'm pretty sure Stuttgart will be there. Not so sure about Schalke.
0: <laughs> Thank you again, my friend. We'll talk soon.
2: Yeah. Cheers.
0: And special thanks again to Manuel Veth from Transfer Market for joining us on the show. Next up, we were able to catch up with Matt Santangelo uh, from the State of Play podcast. To preview the Serie A season coming up, some big moves made in the Serie A by major clubs, including Roma, who has really been active in this transfer market. We got to cover it all with him. So without further ado, the Matt Santangelo interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football, from the State of Play podcast, Mr. Matt Santangelo. Matt, welcome back to the show. It's been quite a while, and we're glad to have you here. I want to open up with um, a question of your favorite team and the defending champions in AC Milan, uh, bringing in Charles DeCatelare from uh, Club Brugge uh, for 26.8 million pounds. Um, they've made a couple other moves. they finalized guys like Junior Messias and uh, Alessandro Florenzi. They bring in Divac Origi on a free transfer What are your thoughts on their window? And is this a team that uh, Maldini and company have moved into phase 2.0 where they could possibly repeat as champions?
3: Yeah, well, first off, it's uh, great to be back on with you guys. Uh, I feel like we've known each other for quite a long time and we've been doing this pretty much every year, it seems like, for the past, what, three or four now. So always a pleasure to be back on with you guys here talking about uh, Calcio. But getting back to to the Milan window and overall um, what I think of it, I, I think the window was... It was interesting because I think be- between all the the streamers and everything falling after Milan won the Scudetto, um, there was a lot of movement, a lot of activity um, with the with the with the sale of the club to Redbird. Then there was the delay with the renewals for Maldini and Mazzara until really the final hour on, on June thirtieth. So I think those sorts of um, big, uh, I guess, transactions seem to slow things down for Milan in the market and. What I mean by that is, I think, look, everything's about speed, right? We saw what Inter um, had with speed or lack thereof, trying to get Bremer done. And Dibala seems like they had Bremer for months and months and months, and he was going to go there. And then Juve pulled off, they licked, and then quickly swooped in and over spent over and asking to get uh, to get Bremer in there right so a lot of the market is is boils down to speed and being able to get deals done quick and I think those two things between the sale and the the, the, the slowness and the renewals really hurt Milan. but I think if you look at the players they did add of course in Devoigi from Liverpool on a free transfer I know people are gonna to look at that and say well he didn't really start at Liverpool and you know he's 26 27 years old he didn't have a ton of goals and this is going to be the guy that's supposed to essentially be your key goal scorer, your key goal scoring acquisition. But I think there's a lot more to his game. The fact that he's he's been in big moments, he's had the big experience at Liverpool, he's a man for the occasion. And I think those things are very important, much like what we saw with Ibrahimovic, much like what we saw with Olivier Giroud, and how vital those two were um, at different parts of the season, of course, last year, in getting key goals when Milan needed it most. Junior Macias, Alessandro Florenzi, return on really low-end, low-cost um, options that Milan triggered. And, of course, the man-man that just got announced a couple days ago, and Charles Di I know it's going to be a tough one for Milan fans and like to uh, to pronounce, but, of course, we were just getting ready ready uh, to get rolling with Salamacher. so I think we got that one down pat. And if I'm being honest, I-, I think that what maybe Milan lacked in their overall window so far, again, there's a couple weeks left. Let's see what they do. I think they did address certain spots um, that were really glaring holes for them last year. Very layout dependent at times. Drew had his moments where he scored his goals, yes. But overall being able to consistently drum up chances, Brahim was 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 falling short of the mark. So I think overall with the Kitalari it brings from a technical standpoint, a creativity standpoint, and being able to um, find that final ball into space for the guys up front, I think is gonna be very huge for Milan. But let's not let's not kid ourselves here. It's going to be a very competitive race for Tafur and for the that though. They do need to get someone else in that midfield uh, to go along with Pobega and Adli, who, who join um, the squad this year to replace Kessie. And also, they need another central defender. So let's see what the market holds uh, the rest of the way for them.
1: Now, Matt, obviously, you know, it's a really good point and kind of foreshadowing my next question because, like you said, I think what made Sirius so interesting over the last few seasons has been that kind of competitiveness, the fact that, it, you know, they were. Leagues that were literally decided within the last few weeks, and we didn't know who was going to win it. We saw that with Milan, we saw that with Inter, we even saw that with Juve. Where, okay, yeah, they won it, but you know, it did take a, a bit of sweating from them to to get it over the line. But this season, I think is no different because you know you look at, I think obviously Milan have their their advantage as being defending champions, but you look at teams like Inter that obviously are going to improve. Juve, the teams that are going imp- to one of those that improve as well. Roma, you know, getting someone like Paulo Dybala is, is a big one for for them look at Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, you know, so many teams really doing Chortina. a lot of business. Yeah, Fiorentina as well. Yeah, getting Jovic, you know, that's that's a big one too. But uh, just, you know, I, I just want your thoughts on what you view from, a, obviously we're not going to do predictions as of yet, but just like an overall take on how you view this season and, you know, some of the storylines, I think, to, to look out for, even from some of the teams that we haven't mentioned yet.
3: I think it's going to be a, such a very... Um tight race for the Scudetto. Tight. They could be even tighter than last year. I think, the, obviously, down the stretch, saw that it was like a three-horse race. Napoli were in there for quite a while. They eventually dropped some points and slipped, and then it became just a matter of whether or not it was Milan or Inter, right? But I think if you look at what Inter have done this market? Did they really get better? They lost Ivan Perisic. They did add Onana, the goalkeeper from um, Ajax, on a free transfer. They they did add a couple players here and there. Um, Aslani in the midfield from Empoli. He's he's a promising young midfield talent. Um, Belanova, former Milan academy player. So they added a couple players, but they they didn't. And they got Lukaku, of course. Yes, they didn't get DiBala. They lost Perisic. They didn't really add much depth in, defense, in central defense, and they've kind of more or less looked like the same squad. And then you look at teams like Juve, who already are dealing with the the the, the effects of Paul Pogba's injury, Bremer, Di Maria. So they did get better, but they didn't really ad- fully address a lot of the holes that they did have that were pre-existing. And then you look at teams like Napoli and, and Roma, who I think, you know, all things considered, had actually really good markets. Maybe, you know, people look at Napoli and say, how could you have a good market when you see Dries Mertens, you see Koulibaly, and you see Insigne all leave in the same window. But they reshuffled their squad. They got a little bit more, um, a fresh look to their team. So when you look at the landscape of Serie A, I think the pack is much more deep than it was in previous years, right? Where it was always the same couple teams vying for the same spots, and then, you look at teams like Torino or you know some of these other teams that would kind of creep up in i think you have a really good case here for having 6 to 7 8 good teams lazio fiorentina who have gotten better who have gotten better in the summer so it's going to be really fascinating to see you know who who asserts themselves in the top 4 conversation early on who maybe is that surprise scudetto contender and who's also that team that takes a massive step back
0: I'm I'm gonna jump in here, um, Matt, because I wanna I wanna to touch base. Like you said, you know, some of these teams that are gonna jump in. I think one of those teams that's gonna jump in is going to be Roma. To be honest with you, uh, for me, they've had a great mercado in this summer. They bring in DiBala, like you said. They basically hijacked it. You, you talked about speed and jumping into making moves. Inter just dragged their feet so badly on Paulo Dybala. I mean, we're talking about. 3 4 weeks before the season was over and Dybala was all but gone to enter, and it dragged so far that you allowed a guy like Mourinho, Francesco Totti to to kind of weigh in his two cents and before you know it Dybala's wearing uh wearing red in Rome instead of wearing blue in, in Milan. I think it was it was a, a massive coup. For me to to get somebody like DiBala, they bring in uh, Georgie Wijnaldum from PSG. That one's done already. They've made a couple of great moves. They've lost Mick, uh, Heinrich Mkhitaryan. One of the things they have not done yet is they have not lost Nico Zaniolo.
3: Um,
0: so for me, Roma is one of those teams that I think has really done a great job. What are your thoughts on their mercado so far?
3: I think it's been a really strong market. And I think it's a it's it's a good indication of what the the Roma project could look like under Dan Friedkin. I think you know there were so many years of. Um, like uncertainty and like questionable acquisitions when it came to the market under James Palota. Um, and then when he got Dan Freakin in, I know people were looking at it as says, oh, another American, like what will this guy do? Is he actually going to be serious or is it just more of a, or of a cash register to print money um, or to hold money, shall I say? And I think when you look at the acquisitions they made, being able to get a player like Paulo Dybala, who went healthy, he's one of the top players in this league. Mm-hmm. He just won MVP a couple seasons ago while he was at Juve. And I think if he, they can keep him on the field, they can keep him um, motivated and fine form. I mean, you're looking at that attack, guys. DiBala, Tony Abraham, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Zaniolo, the midfield, Jane Wijnaldum, Matic. Uh, and I know they lost there too, yes. But like you look at their team, I know they they still probably have a couple other additions to make. Um, I think they do need to get a little bit thick, uh, thicker as far as their, their their midfield depth is concerned. They're a little bit thin right now. But overall, if we're being honest, is this team better than than last year? Absolutely, and they're a team I think is a real legitimate contender to um, make some noise. Definitely, I think they're a top four contender. But absolutely, but to, if stars if if the stars align, to be a Scudetto a Scudetto contender.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, and and I'm with you. And I know we're going to do our predictions in a minute, but uh, that's definitely one that's hot on my mind. Um, obviously, though, my team is Juve, and uh, for mm-hmm. me, I, I feel good about the team but I'm worried, um, you know, losing Delict uh, for, for a lot of money, but, and then bringing in Bremer, I think was a great move for them. I think the fact that they were able to steal him away from Inter, I think is is magnificent um, because by, by taking Bremer, you weaken Inter. And we still don't know what's going to happen with Milan Skriniar at Inter. So I think it was a great move for Juve. Um, eventually, Kies uh, uh, is going to come back. They did the Vlahovic thing in the winter. Um, Paul Pogba, you know, I'm going to go to Di Maria. DeMaria Di Di Maria, I think is going to surprise a lot of people Everyone looks at him at 34 years old and says you know oh he's old he's old he's old But you know he's got energy for, for days and I think he's going to be a massive um, get for Them he usually remains pretty healthy uh, and, and so I think he's going to be a massive uh, addition To them the Paul Pogba thing makes me a little sick to be honest with you um, because looking At his injury it's a meniscus tear it's a lateral meniscus tear mm-hmm. um, it can be treated with surgery it can be treated with therapy Uh, They've decided to go the therapy route, and I think that's more of a Paul Pogba decision to go the therapy route, strictly because... If he has surgery, he's going to miss the World Cup. If he has therapy, he may be playing through a little bit of pain, but he will play at the World Cup. So I think you're going to lose Paul Pogba for three, four weeks here going into the season. You might lose him for the first couple games. Then you're going to get him back, but you're going to be limited in how you can use him until he goes to the World Cup. And my gut of gut tells me that the minute they come back from the World Cup, he will have that surgery. He will be gone another two months and they will only get Paul Pogba back somewhere in the middle of March to maybe early April at best. Um, That's the part that's concerning to me. I know they're looking at Kostic. I know they're looking at Leandro Leandro Paredes at this point. They did get rid of Aaron Ramsey. Artur looks like he's on his way over to Valencia, um, as has been rumored. Um, So this, 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 uh, this market has been a little concerning for me, and for me, the Allegri side of it is... Allegri has to either, you know, do the deed or get off the pot, right? I mean, he's either mm-hmm. got to go or he's got to go. Um, and this is kind of, for me, his season. He's starting to build this team the way he wants it. But I can't help but still be sick to my stomach about the defense. Um, when you let Delic go, you don't um, you don't retain Demerol. Uh, now they're talking about selling Rugani, And we're talking about Danilo as that extra center back. That is not the way Juve is going to win this title. So for me, I want to ask you, looking at Juve's um, window and what I've said about them,
3: are they, are they going to move up the ladder or do you feel like they're going to move down the ladder? Well, it's a, it's an unfinished product. I -hmm. think it's pretty obvious, right? I think there's going to be players that look, you see, um, from the, from the start, they're going to feel like a little bit of a different player, right? So like just to put that into perspective and to elaborate on what I mean by that is in January, they brought in Zakaria, and in the midfield, the midfield needs work and needed work. They got a player that was um, relatively inexpensive, and then you had Dusan Vlahovic for half the season. So now you're getting those two players to start from the very beginning. Maybe, have we, if we have a different conversation last year, maybe let's say their season goes a little bit different, right? How many points is Dusan Vlahovic worth? You know, we obviously saw what he was what he was doing at Fiorentina. So the fact that they have him from the start, I think, is going to be very fascinating to watch. Just how many and how many moments he is able to carry. And this Juventus team that you know d- does look a little lethargic sometimes, does look like it 's little really too defensive, and they have to pull and scrap for a goal late to get results, but I think you 're absolutely right, Joe. I think look, the defense was already thin, even if they didn 't lose delict you had a, you could argue they needed to get another defender that was more reliable than Grugani. They needed to get fullbacks. is the current crop of fullbacks going to be enough alexandro 's still there he 's been on the down for three years now, I would say Mm -hmm. quadrado still looks pretty good, but when's that point where he's going to fall off? I I think there's so many questions with this team, even, you know, I I know he's had his moments over the past couple of years and really since being in a Juventus shirt, but he's always kind of come under question with his job. So there's a lot of question marks with this team that if everything goes well, you could say, well, this Juventus team on paper looks very strong. Pogba, Di Maria, Locatelli, like they have the names, they have the guys. Mm -hmm. But I just really worry is if is is Allegri the type of guy that's going to be able to um, get by if Pogba is out, like you say he could be out. If Kieza uh, doesn't come back, you're firing on all cylinders. If Vlahovic struggles to get goals early on, like is is Allegri going to be the guy that unlocks this team and, and it gets to its full potential? I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to make top four. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that towards the end. But I think there's a lot of question marks this year with this team. And I really look to the Juventus directors for, for for why they haven't really fully addressed certain areas. Again, at the time of recording this, they could get Paredes in the midfield, who, I, in my opinion, is a really strong player. And, you know, despite maybe not being showcased well enough or performing well enough at PSG to the expectations, he was a fine player at Empoli. He was a fine player at Roma. So I think there there is room for them to make some additions to this team. If they make, make some more additions then we could be having a different conversation. But as things stand right now, I just don't see that they have enough to be um, that that same sort of dominant team that we have come to know of Juventus over the past... You know, five to seven years.
0: I agree. And and I also think it's a function of, of where they're at right now and a function of what the other teams have done uh, around them, like Inter and Milan and, and Roma and Lazio and all these other sides that have really improved over the years. And and for those listeners that um you know that we didn't dive deeper into Inter Milan, um, you know we're gonna have Nima Tavale on, you know, sometime early in the season. We'll get plenty of inter talk uh you know coming up during the during the season. So let's go to the prediction side. Uh and you know I started to think about what we're gonna talk about this this season who's going to finish in the top four who's going to get relegated Um for me I, I, I have to be a homer right I mean I, I, I have to turn in my Juve card if I don't pick them to win so I'm taking Juve to win because I have to put it out there in the universe I'm going to go inter second Roma third I think they've improved that much and Milan fourth for me uh, Matt where do you stand
3: on this that's interesting, right? I think, you know, for me, to, for me to hear you say Milan in fourth, I mean, look, they're in the Champions League again, according to your prediction. So right. that's not the worst thing. But I think that if you look at what Milan did, um, or lack thereof, this, this summer, people say they didn't do this, they didn't do that. They lost Kessie, yes. There's a potential that they still add someone to the midfield. They added Paul Bega, They added Yassin Adli, who looks like a very sharp player. They um, upgraded in the attack with Charles Di And they lost a the third-string... Central defender and Alessio Romagnoli. They didn't lose any key players. They didn't lose Manion. They didn't lose Taylor Hernandez, Leao, Tonali, Bennett. Like they didn't lose a lot of big players. So I think that if they're able to add just maybe one more piece, I think they're still in that conversation for 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 the Scudetto. Absolutely, I think they deserve that respect. But I think the based on your top four, look, it wouldn't surprise me. I like what Roma have done. I think Juventus, despite maybe their shortcomings and the, maybe the, the the deficiencies they have in their squad. They're still Juventus, and I still think they have that DNA where they they just find a way to get results when they absolutely desperately need them. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to win the title, so if you want my predictions, Hmm. I actually do think that Milan can repeat as champions. I think that Roma can finish second. I like Napoli third, and I like Juve fourth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me go back.
0: I was like, wait, where's Inter?
3: (laughs) No, no, no. It's, I think it's going to be the same top four as last year. I think it's going to be Milan. I think it's going to be uh, Juventus, Inter, and Napoli in the top four. I think Roma, again, they're, because they are thin in certain areas, I do think they're going to struggle. I do think that they're going to have those moments this year where they, they have the names, they have the, 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 the profiles in certain areas of their squad, but they're just going to fall a little short.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Roberto, what do you got for me?
0: This is tough.
1: This is it's really tough. tough to That's play. why I yeah. had to
3: backtrack. on what well, like, the wait, thing: we went top four. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we've done already. We've already done three of these previews, and they were kind of straightforward in that sense, in terms of champions. And you know, maybe for the Premier League, you could think about either City or Liverpool to, to win it. But this one, ah, I don't know. It, it's tough. I think we're gonna still see a, a a a very tight race within all the teams, really. Even from we can talk about relegation a bit, but I think we're gonna see a really top race. Um, at the top of the table. I, I do like we, what Milan is. I, I think they, they have a young side. I was very impressed with how they were able to win it, you know, with a side that, let's be real, there wasn't that much expectation from them at the beginning of last season. So for them to do that, and, you know, now there is more expectation, because now they need to obviously repeat and do well and, and continue that momentum. Obviously, we have to see what they do in the Champions League and what their objectives are. But I just think... I. I, I don't know if it will be enough. I, I think I see another case where it might be down to one or two points, and I think they lose it to Inter in this one. I, I, I like this Inter side. I mean, yes, they do need to improve on some levels, but I think getting someone like Lukaku, who you know was obviously such a good player at, at Inter and, and was able to combine well with, with Lautaro, yes, they did lose a key player like Perisic, but I think they're not done with business yet. I'm, I'm curious to see what they can do in this transfer window. So I'm going to say Inter want first. Milan second, Juve. Even though they've done good business, I think I'm going to put them at third. And in fourth, I'm going to say Roma because I just think they just have a little bit more of the edge, especially now bringing in DiBala. I think that brings them more of a gives them more advantage towards them over the likes of a, a Lazio, and Napoli, and a, and Ansan.
3: So the one thing, the, Roberto, the one thing I wanted to to address with Napoli is that I like the moves they made in the summer. I just think when they have so many different names that have come in, those things take time, right? Yeah. Like, you have a lot of players that have come from outside of Italy, not just a domestic transfer. So there's going to be that, that onboarding phase, and we all know how important a hot start is, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. I, 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 I contemplated Roma. I contemplated Napoli. I, I think that it's going to be Napoli. I just think that um, they got a little bit more there. And, and, yeah, and it's, it's
1: tough to really call,
3: honestly, man.
0: Yeah, and that's the difference for all three of us. It's, it's Roma or Napoli. It's, it's you know, because those are the teams that have made quite a few changes on both sides. It's, you know, which one of them gets to mesh their changes in quicker um, that will probably be the difference between it'll be how those two teams start versus how those team, two teams finish. I think that will will dictate the top four, um, at least from what I'm gathering, from what all three of us have said. So let's let's look at the bottom of the table. Um, and I want to focus on Tana because they they had that miraculous, I mean, literally miraculous run uh, to avoid relegation last year. Uh, it was something extraordinary, but I don't think they do it this year. So for my three teams that are going to get relegated, I'm going with Lecce, Salern, Salernitana, and Cremonese. I don't think the two teams survive. I think Monza, um, you know, Berlusconi 2.0 is is uh, is trying to build something significant over there. And uh, and I think they managed to stay up and, and beat the drop. So those are my three teams to go. How about you, Matt? What do you think?
3: That, that's that's where I was leaning. The, the only thing I was looking at with... Um... Some of the I was looking at the table and I was looking at some of the squads and some of the teams and what they did this summer or didn't do, and I I looked at a team like Bologna. Mm. Um, I I know that you know they have a great coach, a, a warrior, in Cindy Simeljovic, who's who's you know currently on, b- battling leukemia and he's just fighting like like crazy here. So um, obviously we're wishing him the best there. Mm. I, I look at who they lost in Svanberg, I, at Tiete in the in the defense. They're really going to be leaning on that attack quite a bit. They look thin in so many different areas. And I wonder if Mihaljevic is going to actually last the season. I I threw it around. I'm like, is there going to be a team that most people think is going to be safe and then falls into that relegation battle? And you're like, whoa, Like I didn't see Bologna doing this. Um, Do I think Bologna get relegated? I, I think they barely survive on the basis of their coach. But I do agree with Lecce. I do agree. Do agree with Cremonese, Monza stay up. That third team, that's that's a tough one. I, mm-hmm. I think I'm actually going to go Southern Natana as well. Yeah, I mean, even
0: even a team like Udinese, um, you know, we saw Samp flirt with that bottom for a little while last season. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of teams that like they're big names, and you're like, wow, these guys,
3: this is real. But the problem, yeah. but the problem is, the guys. Is so many of these teams are they're they're content. They don't they sell like one or two premium players in the market, mm-hmm. and they just fill the spot. They don't really go out there and spend that money to like get a player who's of promise. They're cool with finishing thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth every year. Right. And eventually, that contentness, that comfortability that you have within the that table eventually you're going to be like, all right, we're 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 good. And then you're going to get beat up a bit and you find yourself in the battle. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the really dicey thing about the Serie A relegation battle every year.
0: It's true. Rob, Rob, what do you got for me?
1: Yeah, I, I think I have to agree for once, at least for all of us. Uh, I think uh, Serie A does go down. I think Romanese does as well. And, you know, you look at Specia, look at Monza. I mean, you know, they're, they're teams that have impressed me and I think they have enough to, to survive the drop. So I think joining them will be Lexi as well so yeah. yeah i think we're all in agreement on the
0: on the relegation uh,
1: for once yeah. yeah for once exactly <laughs>
0: but, but i think it's also still going to be tight i think like you said you're oh, yeah. you're going to see your 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 bolognas in there and you're going to see your your Samp's in there and your udinese in there and i i don't think empoli will be one of them but i i, I do see that you know there there'll be a battle there but i think ultimately that'll be what the finish line looks like so for sure um matt thank you again for coming on the show it has been too long and and we've got to have you back again much sooner than this and all the best and uh thanks again for helping us out my friend appreciate
3: it guys enjoy the rest of your uh rest of your rest of your week all
0: right and special thanks again to matt santangelo for joining us on the show roberto we've got some great matches of the week coming up like we said as the leagues kick off um and remember a public service announcement to the Folks listening to the podcast, these matches are going to kick off the following week. I know we're releasing this podcast on Friday. Uh, This is going to release for the following week. So the matches that we gave you for this weekend were in our last pod. So these are coming up starting on Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, We're going to go back to Copa Libertadores, like we said, with Palmeiras and Atlético Mineiro uh, in a 2-2 deadlock going into the second leg. This will be at 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Palmeiras with a dramatic 2-0 um deficit that they overcame in their first leg to get to this point then we move to saturday and saturday the 13th we have in the bundesliga we'll kick off with Hertha berlin eintracht Frankfurt at 9 30 uh, a.m we'll move to league on with monaco and renna at 11 a.m and then we go kick off to italy at 12 30 p.m with the defending champions ac milan Facing Udinese in the first week of the season. We're going to close Saturday night with LAFC and Charlotte at 10.30 p.m. And then we're going to move to Sunday, August 14th. Chelsea and Spurs. That's a great one for the second match of the season. 11.30 a.m followed up by the defending champions, Real Madrid, as they travel to Almeria to kick off the 2022-23 season, uh, facing them at 4 p.m. on Sunday the 14th. So, Roberto, you gave me a great trivia question uh, earlier in the show. Uh, Go ahead and throw it back at me again, please. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, obviously, with the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores uh, occurring at this moment, the eight teams that are remaining, uh, and this is obviously the question, are Atlético Paranaense, estudiantes, Corinthians, Flamengo, Vedas Sarsfield, Talleres, Atlético Mineiro, and Palmeiras. Combining all the eight teams, how many Copa Libertadores titles do they
0: have? Okay, so the one that I missed on my list as I was writing was Corinthians, and I think they have won it at least a couple of times. Uh, Palmeiras won back to back. Flamengo, I think, is uh, – did they win it two years before Palmeiras, I think? I think, I think, I think. They have won it recently.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so let's see. That's two, three. I'm going to go with at least – And this three, is in their now. history, by the way. It's and this is in their history. Stuff. And I can't remember if Migneto's won any of them. I think they have. Um, I'm going to give you a number because I said it wasn't going to be double digits, and I might be wrong. I'm going to go with Nine. It is not 9,
1: is and it? you are lower this time. You get two more chances.
0: Okay. Um, I, it's, I, I've already counted off 5, so let's go 8? No, no. It's higher. Oh, it's higher than... Oh, I'm lower. Yeah. Okay. So 9. So let's go to... Uh, let's go to unlucky 13. Lower. Lower than 13?
1: Lower than 13. Last
0: one. Lower than 13, higher than 9. Uh, it's either 10, 11, or <laughs> got got let <laughs> Let's go right in the middle. Let's go 11. 12. 12. Uh, 12. Titles.
1: The I, teams that have not won it are Atlético mm-hmm. Paranaense and Talleres. The other six combined: Estudiantes with the most, with four titles to their ah, name. Okay. Corinthians with one, Flamingo with two, Atlético Mineiro with one, Vélez with one, and Palmeiras with three to and make three. it twelve titles within eight teams.
0: That you said Vélez one three, correct?
1: No, no. Vélez one one. Palmeiras one three.
0: Okay. Um. How about Estudiantes?
1: I'll say it again. Estudiantes with four titles.
0: Okay, that's the one I want to know. Um, When were those titles? I'm just curious. <laughs> the, last title that...
1: yeah, the last title that they won was in 2009, but they won three straight in 68, 69, and 70. Okay,
0: so yeah, older titles, but still, I mean, obviously titles. Um, yeah. In... If we're going to count Real Madrid's, we're going to count theirs, right?
1: Uh, They they have 14. You got to count their 14.
0: That's right. So um, now it's great. Great question. And again, uh, definitely catch the uh, the second legs of the Copa Lib coming up this week, uh, midweek as uh, as they get to the uh, as they start to whittle down to the semifinals. Um, And again, we talked about them earlier. It's going to be something that uh, I think we're we're looking at an all Brazilian final. I think you and I actually went ahead and said that uh, we're looking at a Palmeiras Flamengo final. I think you and I predicted that. Uh, a few weeks ago so I you know Definitely be on the lookout for that so Without any further uh, items On the docket here my friend let's hit the closing music Let's do it alright here we go so for episode 363 of low limit football special thanks again to Manuel Veth and Matt Santangelo for both joining us today and previewing the Bundesliga and the Serie A next week we are scheduled to be joined by Semra Hunter from La Liga TV to preview La Liga before they kick off on the weekend and we'll get that one out to you before the uh the season kicks off in La Liga in Spain so for episode 363 of low limit football I am Joe Ucello Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.